Hello and welcome to the Mustang Sports Feed. This is Dr. Bob Dixon. I am joined by my partner, Mason Nesbitt, the Sports Information Director and Assistant Athletic Director of the University. Mason, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Bob. It's good to hear from you. Yeah, it's nice to hear your voice. Last time uh, we talked, I think you were at your grandma's and you were having, uh, was it grilled cheese sandwiches? I did, yes. She, she's been very good about making grilled cheese sandwiches at lunch. I have not had one of those this week, but... I did order in a Jersey Mike sandwich, which my grandma thought was very fresh and tasty, <laughs> which on that note reminds me that these Masters Athletic sponsors remain open for takeout, and that's Jersey Mike's, Chick-fil-A, Presto Pasta, Jimmy Dean's on Lions, and Firehouse Subs. So obviously all of those are in Santa Clarita. They remain open for takeout, and we just encourage you guys out there listening to support these restaurants during what's been, you know, a very difficult time for, for the food industry. Absolutely. And, and also to give grandma a break, she can't make every meal for you. So she can't make every, she can't make girls cheese sandwiches every day. So mix it up Jersey Mike's or in a chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A, which I actually am craving now. Uh, well, I got, I'm thinking, we'll save that for after the show. I'm thinking a little presto pasta with some puttanesca sauce, uh, right after this podcast. That sounds good. But, uh, uh, before, before lunch happens, uh, Tell us what we got we got for our listeners today. So the kind of the, the highlight of the show today, our feature presentation, if you will, will be men's soccer coach Jim Rickard. He's going to join us. Jim's about to enter his 30th season. And so we will pick his brain on what recruiting's been like, what's he been up to lately, and, you know, what uh, we're going to look back to that 2009 championship run that his team had. So we'll get to that. But before we get to Jim... We're going to add a few new segments to the podcast. One being we're going to have a spotlight athlete of the week. And this week that is baseball senior Ryan Bricker, who this week was named to the Cosida Academic All-District Team. Now, why did Ryan get on to this Academic All-District Team? Well, Ryan has a 3.9 GPA, which um, I'm not great at math, but that's good. <laughs> higher than my GPA yeah. was in college, certainly. <laughs> And he was hitting 349. Obviously, the season was cut short, but Ryan was hitting a team best 349 through 22 games. So Ryan Bricker is our spotlight athlete of the week. Congratulations, Ryan. Well deserved. And then the second segment that we're adding is in the news, and this would be you know the point where we could drop in that you know that fancy breaking news music, uh. or we can just roll with it. And so in this case, we'll just go forward with the fact that uh, Alan Vince is um, our men's and women's head volleyball coach. He announced his resignation this week. Alan's going to be moving with his family this summer to Latvia, which or Latvia. I should have checked with Alan ahead of time. But for those of you who are not geography buffs, which I was not, so I had to look it up. It is a European country located along the Baltic Sea, if that points you in the right direction. Well, we're going to miss Coach Vince. Uh, he, he's been a, uh, such a good friend to the institution through the years and, and a personal friend of mine. Uh, I was, I was uh, at first just sad to hear the news, and then uh, I, I reached out to him and was excited to, to hear um, that he's got some really neat things planned for the future. So um, bittersweet for sure, but we're, we certainly wish the best for Alan and his, and his family. Yeah, Alan definitely had a, a fantastic six-year run with the women's volleyball team, 117 wins. He was GSAC Coach of the Year at one point, um, brought the program its first GSAC 
uh, regular season and tournament titles. And then, like you said, just a very personable guy, a, a friend, and someone that's going to be missed. Um, and then stepping into that role is going to be Annette Davis, who is our women's beach volleyball head coach. And so now she will add women's indoor volleyball head coach. She'll add that to her coaching duties. So again, obviously we're sad to lose Allen, but when you can fill the position with a UCLA athletic hall of famer who was also an Olympian, that's not, that's, that's pretty good. I would say. And now we switch to our special guest. Yeah, Bob, today we are joined by our men's soccer head coach, Jim Rickert. Jim is about to enter his 30th season, 3-0, career record of 343 wins, 208 losses, and 48 ties. Um, And he maybe most notably led the Mustangs to the 2009 National Championship game, the only Masters team to ever get to a National Championship game. Jim, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. So as we get into this today, I, I think just for starters, what does a day in the life of Jim Record look like, you know, as everybody's kind of um, adjusting to uh, to a very interesting semester? <laughs> well, uh, recently with the virus, it's been uh, being on a lot of Zoom meetings, Zoom calls with um, my university team. I have a youth club team um, and the parents. Um doing a lot of work around the house you know my wife's got a big list um the things we've been trying to accomplish and i get to get out fishing a little bit a couple places are still open so um just trying to trying to get by get ready for uh the season what uh what's the biggest fish that you've caught uh, recently <laughs> uh, i'd say about 19 inches and probably four pounds in a little tiny creek at a secret location that I am not allowed to disclose. <laughs> You're asking coach to tell fish stories now. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, I'm not going to steal that fishing spot. I don't know. Okay, so it, okay, it, your secret's safe with me. Yeah. I, 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 I only, I only eat fish. I don't, I don't pull them out of the water very well. So it's safe with me too. <laughs> Jim, how has uh, your, your approach to recruiting had to change? You know, obviously a big thing is, for masters recruiting is getting these recruits onto campus, letting them interact with our students and, and just seeing how masters is different just as a community. So not being able to do that, how, how have you tried to go about recruiting? Well, uh, the good news is, is the majority of my recruiting was done uh, before this hit. So it was just kind of a matter of seeing those recruits through as far as finishing applications, getting in financial aid, finishing off scholarship information registering for classes, um, working on NAIA eligibility. So I'm still been, you know, doing that pretty much every day, talking to people individually about things that they need. As far as anybody um, new that hasn't been able to visit the campus, it's more talking about the future, you know, and trying to pick times when we feel like they can visit the campus and can see it. Um, you know, I've made a couple of offers of kids to, to come on the team on a roster spot um, that have been able to visit it. Um, you know, it's happened before. Not every person that we recruit is able to, to visit the campus, even though that's probably our greatest selling point is, um, you know, spending time with the players, going to class, going to chapel, uh, being able to see a little bit of the 
the living situation, the social dynamics, and um, you know the spiritual impact that you know has been had on the kids that are there is is really our best selling point. But just trying to paint a picture of what that looks like now um, over the phone, and then just picking a time when you know we do feel like they are going to be able to come. So I, I was fortunate that the vast majority of my recruiting for the 2020 year was done um, as far as the visits and, and the offers and all that. So um, that was a blessing for sure. So it would have been tough if it had, if this had hit in the middle of, um, you know, the recruiting season, which for me is more um, kind of early spring for like a year and a half out um, and then fall, a lot of stuff in fall for the following year. So. And how do you feel about your 2020 recruiting class that you have coming in? Well, I'm really, really excited. And that's part of the, um, I don't want to say discouragement, but just the, the concern, you know, for um, the potential that we might not be able to have a season, and uh, you know, as far as an extreme measure. But I know, you know, some places have kind of already thought through that a little bit I think prematurely but um, I'm really excited about my recruiting class um, it's gone remarkably well uh, the school has been really gracious in um, their support and the kids have just it's just been a great fit with everybody that we have I have 14 plus coming in next year you know trying to get a few more here I would say of those 14 um, eight could be an immediate impact type player where they're either starting or seeing, you know, a decent amount of time or at least having the opportunity. And then adding on top of that, I have three that redshirted last year, um, two because of injury that have been with us for the year. So I, I didn't add them in those numbers, but they would be new to us. Like, you know, Prince who had redshirt medically, uh, Jonathan, who had to redshirt medically, and then Mark Spencer, those three kids have played with us, um, you know, all fall, at least as much as they could with the injury, like Prince and Mark, Jonathan didn't, but they started up in spring. And so if I add that to the to the group, there's 11 people that could either start or play and make some kind of an impact. So that's an exciting number for sure. Now, Jim, you were once a recruit coming to play at Masters. We, we won't say how many years ago that was. Just a few years ago. A few. What, what was your experience like as a as a defender here at Masters? Oh, you know, I was pretty much in the um, initial stages of the Masters College at the time. Um, in 1985, it changed um, to the Masters College from LABC. I came in 1986 and the recruiting class I came in with was huge with um, almost all freshmen. There were nine to 11 starting freshmen my freshman year. Um, and to kind of give you an indication of how young we were, the coach appointed me a captain as a freshman. And I was a captain <laughs> all four years here, which is definitely not not common. So I, just, I don't think you had a whole lot of choices maybe. And for some reason, a choice fell on me. So some people think that's amazing when they hear it and I would agree <laughs> I don't know how much I deserved it from a, a maturity standpoint but I guess he saw something and so yeah I was a captain all four years and we you know turned the program around 
first year we were 10 and 10 and second year we were 17 and five and uh, you know, kind of rolling through. So it was exciting. It was an exciting time coming in with, you know, people that were all, you know, your, your own age and class. And I stayed close in close contact with all those guys. Um, nearly all of them, you know, to this day, we've, you know, every few years we try to get together for a, a reunion and, um, spend time together and it's really been just been a, a, a great run and that's the experience you know that I want the kids that I'm recruiting to have you know I want them to be able to have that kind of friendship and camaraderie now Jim your your TMU athletics hall of fame bio describes you as one of the greatest defenders in program history but it also says that you had 10 goals and 28 assists so obviously, I have to imagine you were you were getting up in the attack pretty often then. Yeah, there was one of the years, uh, my senior year in particular, I was playing defensive center mid, so kind of in front of the defenders, and um, so I had a little bit more freedom then. And then the other three years, any type of corner kick or set piece opportunity, I was allowed to go forward, and then you know I'd make four or five runs in a half going forward so had the opportunity to get some goals and assists so yeah that was that's something I'm actually a little bit proud of that I'm the only one listed as a defender on that list <laughs> so I just make the list go farther and farther every year so that I stay on there so. yeah top 15 top 16 <laughs> just keep, yeah no keep, keep it going so so 2009 uh you lead Masters to the championship game of the NAI tournament. Uh, again, the only NAI, the only TMU team to reach a national final in any sport. What stands out to you about that season? The incredible amount of unselfishness on that team. It was probably, I mean, it's hard to say the most spiritually strong team I've had because I feel like I have you know, a lot of strong spiritual guys, especially as they get older and more in leadership, juniors and seniors. But um, this group was incredibly unselfish and there was plenty of examples of that. And I had two seniors that for three to three and a half years of their career had been starters. And because of the quality that we had, I had to make some adjustments and changes and have those two guys not start and they were coming off the bench and you know most people that would be a death blow to their ego um, to their motivation and both of them were very spiritually strong guys and um, both of them are in the ministry right now and they came to me and they said coach we will do whatever you need us to do if that's carry water here if that's cheer on our teammates, if that's play five minutes, whatever it is, we'll do. And I had several guys like that. Uh, my senior class was really strong that way. And every one of those guys had about five or six kind of in that boat where they weren't always starting and playing. Every one of them scored probably only one goal that year, but it was an amazing goal that was extremely well-timed um, and a goal that we desperately needed. So I had a couple of people with quite a good level of stats, but I think what really made us stand out 
was we had a ton of people with goals. Like we probably had 18 different people score goals and I don't have the stats in front of me, but and probably a, a really high number get assists. So there was a, a good um, distribution of the scoring. So a lot of times you have one or two people that do a lot of your scoring and you can potentially mark them out. But when the scoring's you know really spread out, it's hard to do that. And a lot of that was just their unselfishness. Um, I actually had, at that time, we played two forward, a two forward line called a 4-4-2. And I had three sets of two people that I would put in basically every 15 to 20 minutes at a time. And they just would work. And they were very skilled. It wasn't that they couldn't have pulled more time, but they just knew they were probably going to be better if they just went out and worked as absolutely as hard as they could. And then I just put in the next two people. It was kind of a unique subbing system that that I did. Um, more out of just the quality that I had and the, and the work rate that those guys had. So. So in the semifinals, you guys go to double overtime and then ultimately penalty penalty kicks with Rio Grande. What, what would be maybe a behind the scenes story or, or just something that kind of, you know, in your mind kind of is like encapsulates how the end of that game kind of unfolded. Yeah. Well, I think the unique thing first was, we were, there were two hotels that we were in and the hotel that we were in actually had both Notre Dame of Ohio and Rio Grande in our hotel. So every breakfast, walking in and out after practice, we were, we were walking by these two teams and those two teams are, uh, schools are fairly close to each other, um, both in Ohio and they were a lot of internationals and they knew each other. They were friends. So we were like the enemy. Right. We were from California. We were um, I don't think they really respected us from an athletic standpoint because they just didn't know about us. Um, in the first game at Nationals, we didn't play very well, even though we won against Indiana Tech. And so there was a real I mean, my guys were just like coaches. The air is really thick in here. Mm. And um, um, Notre Dame, Ohio was kind of arrogant and talking a lot of stuff, whatever. We beat them three to one. And then Ryle was talking a lot of stuff, you know, to us, um, even, you know, before the game, during the game. And so it was a very emotional game. Um, and I think the thing that stands out the most was one of their most emotional players was a Brazilian that was going against my Brazilian, Guilherme. And they were really, really going at it just emotionally. Well, Guillerme missed his PK, and this Brazilian had the fifth shot. If he makes it, we're done. Like, it's over. And I just feel like he was so emotionally pumped up from the battle that had been going on, and he made it really personal that he hit the post. He hit the underside of the post, and it came down, and it didn't go in. And that was really the key moment, that sort of switch, where we had missed our PK. He has a chance to win it. This is the guy you think would win it, you know, nine times out of 10. But I think the emotion of the game, all the stuff going before, he just, um, he got it to be a little bit too personal and he ended up missing and then we won him two more shots. J.D. Hoff, the seventh PK. What what I remember about that unfold, I was a freshman at Masters at the time. And so it was, I think the incredible thing about that is that if you're going to have 
Masters go to one national championship game, that that national championship game in the semifinal are in Fresno. So just, you know, three hours up the highway. Yeah. And so everybody, everybody buses up there and there's a big crowd and it comes down to PKs and we win it in PKs and everybody's rushing out on the field. But I just remember there was this very sturdy looking security guard <laughs> and she, and she just looked right at me and we made eye contact and she, <laughs> it was just basically like, do not go out on that field. <laughs> and I just remember being frozen and I just stayed outside the fence. And I, I read that. <laughs> well, everybody came out and I was kind of letting it happen at first. And then I ran into the circle. I kind of feel a little bit bad, but I was sort of like, okay, like break it up. We got a final, we need to get to dinner. You know, they need to, I probably should have just let the, let it go. I mean, it, I don't think it, I stopped it, but <laughs> I was kind of like, okay, enough, enough. Let's go. <laughs> Thinking ahead so, to the final. So Jim, now, now you enter year 30. What, I guess at this point, what, what is it that, you know, still drives you to, you know, put on that master's men's soccer polo every day and, and, and get up and, and recruit and coach and um, continue to, to do this job? Well, you know, it's what got me in it in the first place was just a love for my players. Um, you know, when I was uh, assistant coach in between, so I graduated, I was assistant coach, I was studying for the CPA exam, had no plans of coaching. And then my coach that I had left and um, the AD at the time asked me to be the coach. He asked me to be the coach three times and I said no. And the fourth time I said yes. And it was because there were players on the team that I had played with that I cared deeply for and, you know, I wanted to have a good coach. So I wanted to be in the process to get another coach, not thinking it would be me uh, thinking I would do it for two years and then leave. Um, but once I got involved, it's just, you know, the love for the players and the specific players that I had. And I just can't see breaking that cycle at some point, you know, people that I've, you know, recruited and then had, as a second year and then a third year and then a senior year and, you know, breaking that cycle to not coach them anymore because of just really how I care about them. Obviously I want to win. I'm very competitive and I want to teach them, but I want them to grow, you know, in their faith. I want them to grow into, to honorable men. You know, I want them to grow into spiritually strong individuals going outside and I want them to compete well and I want to win while they're there. But, I just have a real love and care for them. And you know, as time's gone on, there's so many examples of guys that are out that had played for me. Um, and I just love seeing their life and them as husbands and fathers and, you know, in the different um, vocations that they're in. And it's just, that's, that's really where the joy of, of coaching comes from. Well, Jim, thanks so much for joining us today on the Mustang Sports Feed. It was great to have you, and I, I look forward to, to being back in the office with you. All right. Well, my pleasure. Anytime. Thank you, Coach. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye.